Uh, hi, this is Don Marrero. Yes, you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Listen up, kids. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, Kathy Griffin, and we talk about, yeah, you know who. Almost every time I run into this fool, he always comes up to me and he's like, uh-oh, don't be too hard on me. Oh, I hope you're going to be funny tonight, but oh boy, you can be tough. A super fun interview with Kathy Griffin. Uh, we did talk a lot about that. We talked about a lot of other things, too, her celebrity humor and things like that. Really, really great interview. Eh? You're really going to enjoy it. We also have a dumb bit coming up, and the song of the week is from James Arthur. But first, that aforementioned dumb bit. Time now for... What kind of nonsense is that? I was putting together last week's episode at a Starbucks up in Columbus, Ohio, and while I was doing that, of course, Twitter and everything exploded with this. You look at what's happening in Germany. You look at what's happening last night in Sweden. Sweden. Who would believe this? Sweden. And, of course, everybody was like, what? What happened in Sweden? There was no, no news on Sweden last night. This would probably would have been a story somewhere. This would, would have been on Twitter long ago. Well, as it turns out, uh, something did happen in Sweden, although it wasn't the night before. And, well, here. Here it is from Fox News. Tucker Carlson has the, has the details. Only 500 of these migrants were able to get jobs in Sweden. But if these arrivals aren't able to work, they're at least able to commit crimes. Quite a few of them, in fact. That was a correspondent for Tucker Carlson's show there on Fox News, and that aired the Friday before uh, Trump said, uh, you know, look what's happening in Sweden. Well, of course, people started to piece together, oh, he saw the graphic of Sweden highlighted and them talking about it on Fox News and then kind of thought, oh, something must have happened and pieced it together that way. And then people started kind of questioning, you know, the accuracy of the Tucker Carlson piece. Uh, And then I was kind of researching this and I found out that a couple weeks before on February 3rd, PBS NewsHour reported on violence involving immigrants in Sweden. And, And Judy Woodruff had this. Sweden is struggling to accommodate 165,000 people who have applied for asylum there amid the refugee crisis. Now, in a reversal of its open-door policy, the government says as many as half could face deportation. A growing right-wing reaction to the migrant influx has fueled tensions. Ah, crap. Well, so it wasn't what Trump thought it was. It's actually right-wingers and Nazis attacking immigrants. But... Uh, Don't be alarmed because um, Trump wasn't entirely wrong. Of course, he did go on in the speech and talk about places where terrorist incidents really did happen, Paris and Brussels and so forth. So I guess he was trying to make a point with only some partially uh, made-up facts there. But here's the thing you have to understand. Is that, you know, people say, well, you know, he would just, uh, was a little confused. He just misspoke something, you know, things are going on in Sweden. And, and, and that is true because something that happened a couple of days later we'll discuss in a second. But here's the problem I have is that he just doesn't pay attention. You know, and he just goes off on these things and says that, you know, so worst case scenario, you've got a guy that's not really paying attention to the facts, trying to make policy on things that he only partially understands. Okay, so, and as I was saying, uh, oddly, two days later, there was violence involving immigrants and not them being attacked. It was, there was a riot in a mostly immigrant neighborhood in Sweden. Uh, It was one of the suburbs of Stockholm. Apparently, the police came to arrest a guy for drug trafficking and uh, his neighbors and friends did not take kindly to that and there was kind of a, a mini riot. So I thought, well, you know, that does kind of prove uh, Tucker Carlson's guest's point that, you know, 
there are some tensions there in the immigrant community, not just people attacking them, but them kind of being frustrated themselves and stuff and causing some problems. Uh, but then I realized that I saw the report on that in two places. The Washington Post reported on it and BBC News reported on it. And of course, you know, what is what has Donald Trump told us? Fake news. It's fake news. Don't listen to the news organizations that have been doing this for years and years. And while at times may be lazy and get things wrong, uh, you know, still do this. I've been doing this for years and years and years. Don't listen to them. Listen, listen to the guy in charge, um, you know, because BBC News, Washington, fake news. So I guess those immigrant riots didn't really happen in Sweden. And, uh, and as always, of course, when listening to our 45th president, uh, you may find yourself asking, What kind of nonsense is that? Kathy Griffin is a stand-up comedian you know oh, from all kinds of places, from her one-hour specials. Uh, she's, she's on the television. She's, uh, she's been in a few movies, I believe, as well. She does the New Year's thing with Anderson Cooper over on the CNN. And here now is our interview with Kathy Griffin. Hello, Kathy. Yes, I know, right? It's uh, a, a terrible time for our friends in Sweden. And, uh, it certainly is, and all of Ikea. And, <laughs> and yet, it happens to be a boom time for journalists and comedians. It, it is, yes. I, well, I was, that, that's a good place to start. I have it on my list here. You, you're known, of course, for a lot of you know celebrity humor, and yet you're also known for uh, a lot of political humor, and I can't think of anybody else that really does that with that equal of a balance. I mean... Oh my God, thank you for saying that, because I actually do do a lot of political humor now, because A, it's what everyone is thinking about and talking about, no right. matter what your walk of life, and B, you know, I know Trump, and I've known him off and on for like, since like 1995, and so I feel very privileged to bring my own personal run-ins uh, with the Cheeto to audiences all over, but most importantly to Cincinnati. The Taft Theater needs to hear directly from someone who actually has met him several times um, what he's really like. And I hate to say it, but let's admit it, there's a lot of comedy there. And right. we're all scared, you know, and I think even a lot of war puppies, whether they admit it or not, wake up a little nervous. But, um, 75% of the country, I'd say, wakes up extremely nervous. Yeah. <laughs> they're it's... the ones who are going to come to my shows. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Because, um, like, when I interviewed Lewis Black back during the, uh, the, when the Iraq War w rolled out, and he told me these people are out of their fucking minds. And, and, and they were. But, I mean, this guy really is. I mean, before his political ambitions, and you, you knew him well before that, was he always this nuts, or is he like Keith Olbermann says? He's kind of a different guy, out of camera range, or how did you find him? Well, I found him to be always a buffoon, but honestly, I, and I think, unfortunately, a lot of people just thought he was harmless. Like, you know, I just thought he was sort of like an orange version of, like, one of those idiots at Million Dollar Listing. And so <laughs> I always thought of him as an eccentric realtor. It seems like every major city, I mean, I'm saying this as a basically a touring animal because I'm doing 50 cities this year. Yeah. I did 80 cities last year. So Fox News has nothing on me, baby. I know the real America. I'm going <laughs> to the real America. Uh, Cincinnati is the real America, although yes. it's not rural or anything. 
But, you know, every city, it seems, every major city, they kind of have this character. So he was like the wacky New York realtor dude that wanted to be famous, you know, and uh, I would say uh, off camera, he's, what, here's what I can tell you, my own personal experience that I think is interesting sort of right now, which is almost every time I run into this fool, he always comes up to me and he's like, uh-oh, don't be too hard on me. Oh, huh. I hope you're going to be funny tonight, but oh boy, you can be tough. Huh. And I find that fascinating because he's such a classic bully that I find it fascinating that as long as I've known him, he sort of approached me like, uh-oh, scary girl comedian, <laughs> careful what you could say. <laughs> and, you know, he was actually quite friendly with my dear departed, very close pal, Joan Rivers. And, you know, I mean, I think she got a kick out of him. I don't think she knew about this side of him. I don't, I don't know if anybody knew he was this, like, racist and stupid. Because yeah. I think you do. You kind of assume that people that have done well in one area or another, they have a certain acumen, they have certain talents. But uh, I think that's kind of um, how he deals with comedians is ultimately he really is the bully who sort of backed it down. Like, I've actually been alone in a room with him, and that's all he talks to me about. Like, you're going to go easy, right? I mean, you're great, but take it easy, right? You know, and I just, now I find that amusing that he's such like, a tough talker. And so anyway, that's my experience with him. It's, he's, yeah, when you meet him, he, he is friendly. I mean, he's, yeah. he doesn't just come up to you and say something psychotic. But I would say for the most part, I would say a lot of people just thought he was like an eccentric, nutty character, you know? Yeah, and it's just, it's still so bizarre. My, my wife's not very political at all, and she still goes through Facebook now and goes, I can't believe this is really happening. Yeah, and that is honestly why I'm talking about this stuff more and more on stage, and you're right. I, I came up through the ranks known initially for like talking about like my wacky family and my dating life. And then once I got on a sitcom in the 90s and I started being around a lot of famous people, then, as you know, <laughs> I couldn't keep my mouth shut. And to this day, I love telling audiences what really happens behind the scenes and what happens during the commercial breaks of talk shows. And, you know, if I run into certain celebrities at a party or event and, you know, that stuff is always going to be there. But now it's really all intertwined. Like, honestly, yeah. you know, like I said, I love touring because I really am going all over. And I'm going to talk to, obviously, everybody from folks at the Taft Theater to, you know, I did a show in Sackerville, Oklahoma, and I did a show in San Francisco. And obviously, you kind of couldn't have more different audiences. But the bottom line is, you're right. Everybody is now talking about this. So I think it's actually a good thing because I don't want to be sort of painted into a maybe doesn't want to be painted into a corner. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'll talk about Kardashians all day long. I mean, for fuck's sake, I live next door to them now. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if you know that, but I literally live. I'm sitting here in my office, and I can wave here. Watch here. I'll go do it. <laughs> I'm going to give you an authentic moment. Ready? Theater of the mind here. This is great podcasting. Hey Kim. Here we go. Yeah, is she actually out there? Are. are you just waving at the house, or is she actually out there? Is she, like, gardening? I, walk, she... I, I opened my door, and I just said, hey, Kim. Now, <laughs> granted, she's not out there, but I wanted to demonstrate for you how soft my volume could be, and yet, trust me, <laughs> if she was outside right now, she could have heard me. So, that's so cool. <laughs> the point is, that is how close I am to them. Wow. That's pretty cool. Oh, I know. It's heaven. My act lives next door to me. Um, hey, and speaking of a, a, a sitcom you were on in the 90s, the first thing I think of when I think of you, I always think of Suddenly Susan. Because we love... That's where I met as he, yeah. as he wanted to be referred to, the Donald. So, yeah, oh, okay. Uh, that, was, that was a fantastic experience because, 
you know, it was like a very middle of the road show, obviously, but here I was, you know, finally, finally getting my overnight success at the age of 36. But then here I was in an environment where for four years, Monday through Friday, it was incredible. Like the people that came on the show as guest stars. I mean, first of all, Joan Rivers played my mom, which was heaven. But, you know, I got to meet everybody from... Gosh, Tony Bennett was a guest star, Rodney Dangerfield. I mean, all kinds of folks came through there. I mean, I, I have a new book out called Kathy Griffin's Celebrity Run-Ins, and it's literally it's an A to Z index. And oh, wow. Was, yeah, it's, it's actually a really fun book because, you know, at 56 years old, being a chick comic, I've now kind of turned into one of those people that's almost met everybody, but a lot of these sort of run-ins or meetings, for some reason they may not be appropriate for my act, right? Like they might be weird or just sort of a jaw dropper and so um when i was writing the book and it came out in november um i was looking back at my own like imdb and i didn't realize that um aaron paul was a guest star on suddenly susan really and i i I can't remember for the life of me like i had to call when i was writing the book i had to call the casting director and go who did jesse pinkman play because of course i think it was jesse yeah 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 and shia labeouf had like three lines. Really? I don't oh my remember, God. I don't remember if there was a gun to my head. I would be like, shoot me now because I do not remember. And so I wrote, I tried to write a funny thing in the book about how I like discovered them and I <laughs> should, you know, I should go down in history as the, the woman who saw even then that Aaron Paul had more promise than any other sidekick could recognize. So yeah, I decided to write a damn book about it. So this tour is actually called the Celebrity Run-Ins Tour and it's, it's ostensibly to promote the book. But the most important thing I want your listeners and readers to know is the show at the Taft in Cincinnati will be all new. So I'm a big believer in if you paid your hard-earned money for the book and you come to see the Celebrity Run-Ins tour, don't think I'm going to like stand on stage and just read the book. It's all new material. And by the way, how could I not? How could I not? Well, sure. I mean, I I, I don't want to say I could do a a new show a day, but I almost feel like I could. It, I think you'd have an interesting perspective on this too. Then talking about you know the uh, the celebrity humor versus the the political humor. A lot of people, you know, say that America pays too much attention to sports and celebrities, which is probably true. But then again, what I've always said is, yeah, but if we joke about celebrities and argue about celebrities and sports and things like that, even if you're wrong, what does it matter? No one gets hurt. But if you make the wrong right. decision politically, you get where we are now. Uh. You mean with a celebrity slash reality star yes. in the White House <laughs> and a, uh, a cast of characters, um, and I mean the appointees because the cabinet members are oh a my God. swamp. Yep. But yeah, a cast of characters, you know, obviously Bannon, uh, the Kelly and Conway, the whole crowd, but they look like the final scene of intervention. You know what I mean? Like, I have a theory, and this is only a comedic theory, and therefore covered under the umbrella of the First Amendment, that um, I need someone to tell me that Steve Bannon isn't doing math. Because I, <laughs> I, I, I see so much more than booze, and I don't just mean the Time Magazine cover. I mean, <laughs> this guy's a hot mess. Like, he's the uncle that comes over for the holiday that stays too long, and... <laughs> drinks too much and keeps going to the bathroom and you want to kind of hide the other guests. You know, like, he's that guy. So, uh, yeah, the celebrity and politics are absolutely one and the same now. I mean, first of all, I've been on, remember Politically Incorrect yes. back in the day? Yes, sure, sure. Like, I was on 
met with fucking Kellyanne Con- oh, sorry, freaking Kellyanne Conway. Like, Fine. <laughs> let's not act like she's this great mind who has, is, we've just discovered her. Like, she's been a political crazy hack forever. And she was always like the, you know, uh, fast-talking, uh, super-duper amped-up, spinning, you know, now we've just, now we've just seen her turn into a full whirling dervish. But this is a motley crew around this guy, and the fact that Bannon like has a piece of Seinfeld back end money, I'm sorry, the days of celebrity and political humor being like different are over. I mean, now it's all yeah. one and the same, and it's not exactly like we have one of our good celebrities. Like, <laughs> trust me, I would take like President Tom Hanks, President Denzel. Like, we actually <laughs> do have some good celebrities here. Yeah. How the hell do we end up with this one in the White House? Yeah, it, it's, so it's all the same now, all right? It's all mixed together, damn it. So do you think that people, because people seem to have some pretty, you know, uh, good talent for analyzing their sports and their celebrities. Do you think people finally apply that kind of critical thinking to this and at least try to piece together? And because it, it seems like people, like we were just discussing earlier, people that don't, aren't normally political are starting to realize, hey, this is kind of crazy. Well, I think it's fascinating that, you know, I did a show, I did um, three shows last weekend, uh, Friday, I was at the Borgata in Atlantic City, which is like top Jersey crowd, a lot of couples, you know, maybe they lost money at the tables, maybe they didn't. Some of them, frankly, came to see me. Some of them probably just got comps from the casino, you know what I mean? Because when you play these big event centers in casinos, you kind of don't know who's there. And then the very next night, um, I did a performing arts center in Chicago. And I'm telling you, usually a casino audience is quite different. But everybody is talking about this, you know, whether it's people that want just sort of a light, fun night of comedy or people that want to do a deep dive. But I have to say, uh, I asked the audiences this weekend, are you guys all getting into Facebook fights with your friends and loved ones? Every audience, like, resoundingly, just involuntarily, just like, yes! (laughs) So, obviously, as a a live performing artist, and look, I love... I love television. I love that I have a Grammy for Best Comedy Album. I love doing my specials. I love that I'm in the Guinness Book of World Records. You know, I'm a feminist. I feel like I have to tell my achievements every five seconds. But, but, you know, there's nothing like asking an audience, what are you guys into? And sort of having them uniformly go, this. And so it's great. It's truly, it's true. The country is sort of giving us all direction. And everybody is saying, to me, they're saying, oh my God, I need to laugh. To you, I'm, sh- I'm sure they're saying, oh my God, we need more information. But uh, it's definitely a different time out there, and I've been doing this a long time. I mean, I've been touring for decades, Yep. and I've never seen anything like it. It's Every audience is different. Every market is different. And while I'm doing my show, and it's just an, I, I do an evening with. I don't even have an opener. Um, you know, I get sick and tired of taking, like, some freaking straight guy on the road with me to open for me for 10 <laughs> minutes. And then in the meantime, he gets a whore and takes her to the hotel room I'm paying for. So I just <laughs> do an evening with. Now it's just simpler, frankly. Uh, but everybody wants to talk about this stuff and it gives a comic a lot of latitude. So I'm kind of loving it because, like I said, I have my personal experiences with Trump. I have my comedic thoughts, like hopefully any good comic, but I also have these truly personal encounters with the famous and the infamous that I love to bring to the stage because I truly want the audience to come show up at the Taft and understand they're getting two hours of stand-up that they just couldn't get from somebody else. Like, I'm just given the personal stories, and I always wanted to do that instead of, like, you know, knock-knock jokes or <laughs> dogs versus cats. <laughs> or L.A. versus New York. Yeah, it's it definitely yeah. unique, a <laughs> unique perspective, uh, indeed. Um, 
you know, you say with your run-ins with Trump, do other celebrities you've run into kind of have the same reaction, get a, get a little skirt uh, of Kathy Griffin, or is it, does everybody kind of knows what time it is and it's all in good fun? Oh, you know, it's funny. It's about half and half now. When I started out, it was um, much more a feeling from celebrities like, you know, they sort of give me like the, 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 the cross sign with their two fingers, like, oh no, here comes evil. And I write about that a lot in the book, and I kind of talk about it on stage sometimes because... One nice thing that's happened about just really, just like I said, staying in the game this long, and I just love it. It is touring is truly my my first love out of all of it. And um, a lot of celebs have come around, and it's actually nice. Like, look, I'm always going to make fun of Brian Seacrest, but <laughs> she can handle it. I find she handles it just fine. <laughs> you know, counting her money at home. Uh, so yes, I will still uh, go at celebrities as hard as it takes to get a laugh, because that's all I'm doing it for, believe it sure. or not. But, um, yeah, like, I mean, Christina Aguilera just sort of came up to me about uh, right before Christmas, and I told her she was mentioned in my new book, and she was like, oh, no, were you mean? And it, it took <laughs> me, like, ten minutes to go, look, I'm a comic. I write things that are funny, often about famous people, you know? And I had yeah. explained to her the story in my book about her was actually kind of sweet. So she was so convinced, uh, she was so convinced to sort of, convert me, you know, to, it was like my mom, she kept trying to say like, but she could just always be nice, and I just said, no, and it's never going to be that way, and I said, Aguilera, you know I love you, but not if, but when you do something crazy, I will comment on it, and then about an hour later, she just came up to me, and she put her arms around me, and then we took a really silly picture, and I was like, okay, I'll take it, like, I'll consider that a nice way <laughs> to coexist with any celebrity. Hey, PF, we have time for one more quick question. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, uh, count. Sure, sure. Um, all right. Uh, oh, gosh. Oh, I know what I was going to ask you. Uh, I live with two ardent feminists out of, of three women. Does it surprise you? Th you. Th th I know, and I try to be on board, but as an old white man, I, I still make mistakes, apparently, and th these are pointed out to me nicely, but um, are you surprised that people still don't get it? <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's daily for me. I mean, I, I go from actually being mad at other women who actually say like, no, it's not that bad anymore for women in comedy. It's terrible. It sucks. I mean, there are so few of us, especially over 50, doing our thing. And let me tell you, honey, I, you know, I, I'm just out there town to town with my bucket of dick jokes. I don't have any... <laughs> infrastructure. I don't have a Lauren Michaels behind me who's going to set up an environment where I can show up at work and be hilarious. I write all my own stuff. You know, I am like pared down, but I, I do think that uh, the double standard is very much out there. And if I can name drop, my friend Gloria Steinem, you heard me, she told me that every time, even on vulgar, every time I take the stage as an act of feminism, so yeah, the sexism for stand-up comedy is still very, very significant. Um, I mean, look, I'm one of only three women to win the Grammy for Best Comedy Album in the history of the Grammys. The history of the Grammys. Myself, Lily Tomlin, and Whippy Goldberg. I mean, this year there were actually three women nominated for Best Comedy Album and two men, and still a guy won it. <laughs> So Man. it's really, really bad out there. And honestly, I think I'm one of the few women who's admitting it because I think the younger girls don't want to make their bosses mad. And I think some of the older girls are like either super wealthy and they don't care or they're retired or whatever. But I'm like very loud and proud about saying, oh, no, you can call your local comedy club on any given Saturday night. And I'll bet you you're going to find the ratio is about eight to two.
Yeah. So it's still out there. Most personal fight's a good fight. Every show, I meet somebody backstage. The husband is dragged by the wife. Almost every show, I'll have someone say, you know, normally I think chicks are funny, but man, you have me laughing. <laughs> oh, and man. I used to be insulted, and now yeah. I just say thank you, because I think, okay, well, if I can convert a straight guy who didn't think chicks were funny into two hours of giving us a chance, then I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, I like the question. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Kathy. Right, Appreciate you fun. doing this. It was so much fun. Oh, thank you so much. And All right. I look forward to reading the article. Awesome. We'll see you on Twitter. All right, thanks. Bye. A big thanks again to Kathy Griffin for being on the show. That was huge, wasn't it, gang? All right, so you can catch Kathy here. Uh, let me see. She is going to be at a casino. Yes, Desert Diamond Casino in Sahuertia, Arizona. That is March 4th, so that is coming up next week. And then she released the meet of her tour uh, toward the end of the month, March 23rd at the Ohio Theater in Columbus. She's here in Cincinnati at the Taft Theater on March 24th. It goes up to Cleveland March 25th. Then she's in Pittsburgh, Santa Barbara, York, PA, Baltimore, Maryland. What you need to do there is just go to kathygriffin.net, hit the tour link, and then you can uh, find out all the tour dates when she'll be uh, in your neck of the woods, as uh, as the weatherman on the, on the Today Show says. Um, uh, and used to say. So Kathy Griffin's book, Celebrity Run-Ins, you can also find that at all the places that you buy books, either physically or uh, online. So do check that out as well. That sounds like it'd be a lot of fun too. And and like as uh, we were saying in the interview, it's you know it's a nice mix of you know, current event stuff and uh, and celebrity stuff as well. Because like I say, you know, the celebrity stuff is fun to make fun of. Because if you're wrong, you know who cares? And then of course with the political stuff, I think she's uh, she's always great when she's on Bill Maher. So she's uh, you know these people say celebrities should shut up, but I Kathy Griffin I think is very well informed. So we would do well to listen to her satirical observations of uh, the news and current events. So our song of the week is from James Arthur. Uh, you may remember he had that uh, single. Well, maybe some of you may. Maybe some of you don't remember the single, Say You Won't Let Go. It was a number one hit in England, uh, Britain, the UK, and in several countries in Europe. Uh, it only got the 23 here. It's a nice little love song. And uh, he was a former X Factor winner over there in Britain. And Fangirl and I were talking the other day. I was saying, you know, most of their... Uh, X Factor and other contest winners over there don't normally do very well in the U.S. And Fangirl says, what about One Direction? And I'm like, oh yeah, One Direction, how about them? But people like Little Mix and all these other people that I like, uh, they never chart here. And uh, James Arthur got the 20. Ali Murr's another one. He, the biggest hit he ever had in the U.S. was he got to like up into the teens, 16 or 17, with a song with Flo Rida. And that was it. So anyway, uh, James Arthur got the 23 with his previous single, So You Won't Let Go. This is a song called Safe Inside. Uh, it's also, the original version is kind of a ballady. I'm going to play you the remix because it's a little bouncier. Uh, they put some uh, kind of a beat behind it, and uh, it's pretty cool. So it kind of gives it a little different sound than the, uh, the previous single. So this will be our song of the week, James Arthur, Safe Inside. P.F.'s tape recorder, so long, and thanks for listening. I remember when you were all. But you're changing in front of me